morning. In my middle years, I have become rather fond of the way. And I make my home at South Mountain. And when the spirit moves me, I go off by myself to see things I alone must see. I follow the stream to the source And sitting there, I watch for the moment when the clouds crop up. Or I might meet a person and talking and laughing, forget about going home. I am rather fond of the way. And it does take leaving your home in some way and going off to be alone, to watch the things only you can see in a place where they arise. where the clouds crop up, sometimes covering the sky. So for those of you who have just come today, just a few reminders. To know why you are here is a good idea. It helps motivate you for doing the work of retreat. Please uh, come into and help sustain the container that we've made rather well, I think, of silence. Stay in your own body-mind as you pass through the space, allowing everyone else to do that as well. And I would suggest that um, when you go home, that you, if you can, try as as much as possible to maintain continuity of awareness, continuity of mindfulness, That is what practice is about, to be present all the time. Be present and willing, a willing place where you can experience your own experience directly. On the second day, too, um, the body is beginning to get the sense that uh, 
this might be an ongoing event and it may or may not be comfortable doing this. So please take care of your body. We're not into hurting, as Buddha called the palace. Body is a palace. So if the pain is a sharp pain, especially in the knees or sciatica nerve involvement, please move mindfully, but move. If there are other kinds of achy, painy, itchy uh, sensation, please consider not moving. So uh, have a sense of your own, what you need, and take care of it. Stretching is good. If you do yoga, do that. Also, during the second day, (laughs) the conditioned mind is also kind of being surprised in a way. Because usually the agreement we have with our mostly unconscious habit, default sort of tapes, is, is that, you know, you ignore them, mostly. You certainly don't have any skill with them, necessarily. But now, you're developing a skill. And the first skill, of course, is to be able to aim and sustain the mind where you want it to be. And your mind is not interested. And as a matter of fact, it becomes rather belligerent. It often can become belligerent. When you begin to see Mara, your own tendencies of delusion, they don't want to be seen. After all, the agreement was for many years, you know, you don't look and I'll run the show. And it's pretty happy with that arrangement. It, again, I'm talking this way, it's not really odd way of talking about it, but it thinks it was helping you. It was. Your conditioned mind was helping you for many, many years. And when you start looking at it, it has some, it's questioning your, uh, it's questioning you. And its advice is, you don't really want to do this. Don't do this. I mean, after all, I've helped you all these years. It may or may not have worked. But this is how it's been. We've had this relationship. What are you doing? So it can get aggressive. It can get aggressive. And if it doesn't get aggressive and you're kind of getting good at looking at it without it getting aggressive, it has other tricks up its sleeve. And if you're looking at it kind of over here and you think you kind of have a sense of how it's working, It'll come up over here, completely different way, but the same basic pattern.
So just have a sense of your own, what you need. If you have a tendency to be a little bit lazy or give yourself a lot of space, come back over to the side of a little bit more strict, a little bit more firm with the mind. But if your tendency is to be really firm and adamant in that way, a little bit more kindness is the way to go. So a balanced approach. Firm, but gentle. We're, as we say over and over again, we're not trying to change or get rid of delusion. Our effort is to wake up. Our effort is to see clearly. It turns out that in seeing clearly, many of these things dissolve and drop away because they have no bottom. But our effort is not to get rid of things. It's not to get better. It's not a good thing to sit thinking that your sitting is going to get rid of things. It's a graspy attitude. We want to wake up. We want to see clearly. Suzuki Roshi mentioned that freedom exists in the middle of delusion and that there is delusion in the midst of freedom. And he said, we must find our ease in the midst of dis-ease. You know, we're human, and in the human world there is both. Even when there's some waking up, even when there's some enlightenment, it's not like it's a stuck thing. Even if you have some sense of insight, some insight. On each moment, if you come from separation, that insight is is a memory. If you come from wholeness, then that's an awakened approach. And you can do that whether there's insight or not insight. So one of the ways that we that prevents us from having insight, from being present, which is where insight happens, is the five classic hindrances. So I think whether we know it or not, everybody has an experience of a clear, lucid, awake mind. We all do. It's open, empty, and alert. And what prevents us from Knowing that are the hindrances, are the obstructions. Desire, 
aversion, sloth, restlessness, and doubt. So grasping, you know, <laughs> grasping is the second noble truth, right? That suffering, the cause of suffering, is grasping, holding on, holding on primarily to belief systems. And in meditation, holding on to a, a very common holding on to a belief system is sitting down and then expecting something, or sitting down and imagining something, or wanting something to happen. It's a recipe for suffering, because it's totally dualistic. It's a, you know, it's a not enough mind will always be not enough mind. Not enough mind doesn't change into it's enough. Thinking that something's going to happen in the future is never that it's going to, the mind of thinking that something's going to happen, wanting something to happen in the future, is never the mind of, oh, here it is. <laughs> so if you sit with the mind of something, expecting something in the future, it never is going to happen. Even in our everyday life, we know that the promise that we get from expectation and imagining and believing that something's going to be better in the future. or it, it Ultimately, the promise is a, is a, well, I was going to say a lie. It's a lie. It never delivers. And it can't deliver because what we understand from study or from your own experience of your own impermanence of your own body-mind is there's nothing to grab onto because there's nothing permanent. So this house of satisfaction that we keep trying to build by, you know, layering brick upon brick of things that we think we could have is, is a false security. So grasping is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> But it's, but it's very tasty, right? It's like a little carrot right out there. We really want something. We're going to get it just tomorrow. It'll be there. If I just arrange my cushions in a certain way, I won't have any pain. Right? If I just fix my mind in some certain way, for sure tomorrow I'll wake up. The promises are um, tasty, or we want them, we want it to happen. But be careful when you sit, because if you sit with that kind of mind, it's a recipe for always. It's like, um, you know, if you go to a races where they have dog races, they put a rabbit on a fence, uh, not a real rabbit, a fake rabbit. I'm sure it's not a real rabbit. 
It's a fake rabbit. <laughs> but the dogs don't know, and so it's on the fence. And of course, they want the dogs to race, and so they put it on the fence on a machine. So it's always faster than the dogs. And the dog, <laughs> you know, whoops, well, they must put a smell on the rabbit. <laughs> The dogs know it's out there, and boom, they run so fast, you know. They're going to get it, the rabbit. They never get the rabbit. The carrot, you know, the rabbit's chasing a carrot. The rabbit, the carrot's out there, the rabbit's chasing the carrot, the dogs are chasing the rabbit. <laughs> Human beings are chasing the dogs. Look at our culture, you know. It's exhausting. The next one is aversion. Aversion is really the flip side of grasping, right? We, we grasp here, and we don't want this often. It's the other side. <laughs> but I've been looking at aversion lately as just simply resistance to things the way they've already come to be. People, this is very interesting, it's hard for people to understand. It's not necessarily that we want things to be the way they are. But they're already the way we are, uh, the way they are, or the way we are, actually. It's true. It's already that way. So before we even imagine, which I'm suggesting we don't do, (laughs) that we need to change and fix something, especially during meditation, if it already is that way and you push it away, you lose. You lo- what you lose is you, we lose our life. Because if life has already come to be this way, right? it's already that way. So resisting it, you've already lost, even before you start. And the thing that's resisting it is growing stronger and stronger and stronger in you. The idea of me it's very strong with stru- it actually it's a kind of a definition of the me of selfing is the activity of struggle in the same way that selfing is the activity of grasping selfing is the activity of aversion it's the movement of mind away that is the self there's separation right there So aversion often comes subtly in the, in the, in the, in a, in the movement of like um, making a bargain with life, you know. I'll accept what's happening now, and I'm going to sit here really well, and I'll open myself to what's happening, because I know if I do that, it's going to go away. So that, that activity of mine is actually aversion, a subtle kind of aversion. And it prevents you from really just being present. Another of the hindrances is sloth. (laughs) Sloth is really interesting. Sloth is a hindrance, especially in Soto Zen Buddhism. I've said this before. There's a way of sitting 
that seems like it's present. It's very tranquil. It's very nice. There's a kind of calmness about it. But there is no alertness. There's no energy there. It's a kind of a dreamy, drifty state. So you have to raise, when that's happening, you need to know that that's happening. Because the, the mind, our, our natural mind, is alert. It's, it's clear and crisp and alert. It isn't dreamy or drifty. So if you feel that that's happening, you need to add concentration. Concentration will, is effortful, and effortness brings up energy. So concentration, effort, brings up energy. It needs to, mind needs to be alert and clear and crisp and present with tranquility. So the other side, the other side of that combination of hindrances is restlessness. So if there's too much concentration, effort, there's too much energy and it's very restless, ragged energy, there needs to be some tranquility and calm. So you need to figure out what that is in your own meditation, because we're after a balanced effort that, that is, can be stable and sustained. So sloth and torpor, not so good. Restlessness, not so good. For restlessness, a wa- as Sikura, she said, a wide pasture for the mind. So you need to know what is going on with you, and you can even label it. to rebalance what's happening for you. And the last hindrance, the classic hindrance, is doubt. And I was talking to somebody the other day about doubt. And I don't remember if it was that person or myself that brought up the word faith. I think they did. Faith is very interesting in um, Buddhism. We, we, do, we, 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 we do have faith in faith that you are Buddha already. But we don't have belief. So we don't ask you to believe that you are Buddha already. We, we don't you know, bring up these teachings and then ask you to believe something that's not in your own experience. For us, faith is based on experience. So as you begin to see, for example, that nothing in your body-mind is stable, then you have a little bit of faith in impermanence. And as you go deeper, if this is what you choose, if you go deeper into the study of impermanence, and you continue to see at a small level, and even at a grand level, that there is nothing stable anywhere to be found, you have a great deal of faith in the teaching of impermanence. So for us, faith builds with experience. As your practice grows and deepens, faith grows and deepens.
And the doubt we're talking about here is not um, doubt about inquiry, that kind of inquiry where you just want to know something. We're talking about skeptical doubt, the doubt that's undermining, the the doubt that doesn't let you practice. That kind of doubt is very undermining. That's the kind of doubt we're talking about. And if that happens as you're sitting, come talk to me. Or um, modify your attention. Sustained attention. Attention to details can address this kind of skeptical doubt. Because it, because it um, moves you away from the yammering. Doubt is just thoughts in the mind that you believe. So if you begin to focus in a sustained way on a little bit more minute details of things, that kind of attention draws you away from that mind. And that's a very skillful thing to do. One of, the, um, one of the ways to be interested in minutia is just focusing on sensation. It's, it's the second skanda. Like in the Heart Sutra, you saw the skandhas are empty. You can focus on sensation, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. We're having sensation all the time, all over the body. Can there be a willingness for you to experience even pain, discomfort, as simply sensation? And you can even name them. You can say pleasant, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, unpleasant, unpleasant, pleasant, pleasant, neutral. You can name them. Of course, that kind of investigation takes a very stable, alert mind. And to do that, you have to be willing to give up your involvement with distracting thought. So you might ask yourself that question, am I willing to be deeply with my own direct experience. My direct experience of sensation as it's happening. Will I give up wandering away into thought, into old thought patterns? And am I willing to open to whatever my experience of the present moment is? Through, it may be, through sensation. Just following sensation. If you notice that you're getting bored with your, the tapes, this is a really good development. In Buddhism, boredness is a, is a great phase, because it means you're not interested in the drama anymore. You're just not interested. And that 
that able that enables you to turn from being involved with the drama to paying attention to your direct experience. So, this looking at direct experience and physical sensation stabilizes the mind, can bring insight, and allows you to pull away from um, reifying, or, or what's the other word, giving substance to thought. And when that happens, then you can actually look. You can really see your own patterns of suffering and how they come to be and how you are maintaining and sustaining them. A monk speaks. I have great difficulty subduing all the desires and deluded thoughts in my mind. What should I do? The teacher responds. The idea to subdue deluded thoughts is itself a deluded thought. None of those thoughts exist from the start. You conjure them up out of your own attachment to discriminations. Ryokan, two poems. All my life, too lazy to try to get ahead. I leave everything to the truth of heaven in my sack, three measures of rice, by the stove, one bundle of sticks. Why ask who's got Satori and who hasn't? What would I know about the dust, that dust, fame and gain? Rainy nights here in my thatched hut, I stick out my legs any way I please. This was his death poem. My legacy, what will it be? The flowers of springtime, a cuckoo in summer, the scarlet leaves of fall. Is that enough? The flowers of springtime, the cuckoo in summer, the scarlet leaves of fall. How is it we 
can't see that. We can't, we can't accept that. We can't accept ourself as the truth of the way things are. Flowers of summer. Wow. You know? The birds, I heard a cardinal this morning. I'm getting to know the sound. Cardinal. Wow. You can hear. What kind of miracle is that? The leaves of the fall. Everything you need to know is in your body, in the present moment. Leave the mind behind. Let it fall to the floor, yammering away for your attention. Bring yourself fully the present moment. Experience your life as it has come to be. When there is no separation, you to you, there is no suffering. Even in the midst of delusion, even in the midst of pain, no separation, just a willingness to be open to your own direct experience. Everything you need, you already have. So please take care of yourself gently but firmly. This is a great opportunity during retreat. Don't, don't waste your life. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.